Hello. Thank you so very much for trusting us with your vulnerability. Thank you for sending in your questions. Thank you for sending the Body Love Challenge designs to your friends, for getting them to sign up, for showing up, for going through the 10-day challenge. Thank you so very much. I am so excited that I have the opportunity in this period to help you heal, help you break through trauma, help you break an addiction, help you experience sexual pleasure. And I'm just so grateful. I wanted to start today's podcast on that note to say thank you so much for supporting this brand. Yes, we are all out. Like we always say, our thoughts are full of you. Our thoughts are absolutely full of you. In the last four weeks, we have been talking about trauma. Don't worry. Don't worry. After this week, <laughs> this is the last trauma, core trauma teaching. Every other time, we will adapt it to something else. Next month, something hot is loading. How your body stores your stories. Your body stores stories. Your body is a storyteller. I'm going to give you that gist next month. Don't worry. Don't be too excited like I am. <laughs> okay, be excited. Be excited. A little bit. <laughs> Oh, today we're going to be talking about how trauma rewrites your sex scripts. Trauma rewrites your sex scripts. And I am privileged to know scripting, not just in therapy, but also as a writer. If you're listening to me for the first time, my name is Elizabeth Akwinli and I am your therapist. I like to be your sexual healer. <laughs> yeah, I like the sounds. Healer. Very eccentric. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'm going to be serious. I'm going to be serious. All right. <laughs> How does trauma rewrite your sex scripts? First of all, let's understand what sex script is. I believe you understand what trauma is. We've been talking about trauma for four weeks. There is this long session talking about what is trauma? How does it rewrite you? And of course, the new technique. We do Monday podcast, 5 a.m. Anytime from 5 a.m. on Monday, the podcast is live. And so you can listen on Monday. And on Friday, you go on Instagram live. We have a live session, Q&As. People have asked their questions. That reminds me, some people have been sending us questions that are out of the scope of the month's team. So what we are going to do is going forward from September, we are going to start answering your questions on Wednesday. We are replacing the old Wisdom Wednesday. Wisdom Wednesdays used to be about questions. You can ask your partner how to better your relationship. We feel like we have exhausted certain parts of that technique, which was helping you to ask your partner's relevant questions. So for those of you who are single, we have compiled all of those questions into a book called Introspection, 120 Questions for People in Love. So if you are someone who is serious about your romantic relationship, you want to build stable relationships. Of course, you know, stable relationships are priority for us. Stable relationship with yourself, stable relationship towards your romantic partner, stable relationship with your kids. Like that three-way partnership, stable relationships, those are our thing. So we have those questions put together into a book. So that way you don't have to keep scrolling Instagram or scrolling through our website looking for where the other questions are. Also, for people who are parents, we compiled all of your questions. Oh, so for parents, the resource material is free. For single people, the resource material is sold. Reason being the one for parents is not exhaustive like the one for the single people. It took more work to work on the workbook. So yes, you're paying for it. It's not free. You can check it out on the website at www.lisaexpress.com. For parents, Avoiding Traumatic Parenting Workbook is free. It has 50 questions. You and your romantic partner should walk through to make sure you don't traumatize your kids, but also to ensure that as a couple, you enjoy your relationship. However, there is an extensive workshop for parents on how to avoid trauma, how to make sure that your kids don't hate them years from now. 
right that workshop detail is on our instagram is on our website at www.lisaexpress.com forward slash parenting so if you don't want to pay for the workbook feel free to download the free workbook but if you want something extensive by all means to jump on this workshop because it is going to be as detailed as possible we are going to walk through your unique case you're going to have me to yourself for the duration of the workshop and you know what that will cost if you were paying for a one-on-one -on -one counseling session now i went into all that to let you know how the systems and now our structures have been arranged around you because you are the center for which you operate you are the reason why we have the business you are the reason why this business is functional if we're not going to help you recover then there's nothing we are doing here we might as well close and move on but we want to answer your exact question. So if you have any questions, I know you don't want to ask me. You don't want to say, oh, Lisa, I have this question about my boyfriend or I have this question about sex. It's fine. Just go on the website again, www.lizaexpress.com. Scroll down and you will find the link that says, ask us anything anonymously. Even if your question doesn't relate to the team of the month, we will attend to you on Instagram on Wednesday going forward with our Wisdom Wednesday. Yeah. Now back to today's teaching. You know what trauma is. If you don't know what trauma is, there are eight sessions, yes, for you to learn what trauma is. On the podcast, you can check our podcast if you like to listen on audio. If you prefer the visual, go on Instagram at Lisa Express C or just search for Lisa Express Consult. You will get teachings on what is trauma, how does trauma rewrite us, what is sexual trauma, how does trauma manifest, how does trauma impact your parenting. And today, finally, on the trauma team, I'm going to be talking about how trauma affects your sex script. So what is trauma? Basically, trauma is a negative experience that leaves you with an impression, something you don't recover from easily. I've joked throughout this whole month saying that you don't get traumatized from taking ice cream, even though some people do it. They have aches in their teeth. But it has to be a negative experience for it to traumatize you. It has to be something that leaves a lasting impact. You can get traumatized from an event or you can get traumatized from a series of events. You can get traumatized directly or you can get traumatized from absorbing someone else's trauma. I spoke about that when I spoke about secondary traumas. I spoke about generational traumas when it passes on from generation to generation and then it takes the disguise of culture. All right, so how does trauma not affect your sex script? First of all, when we talk about scripts, a script is something people act. As simple as that. That's what a script is in the literary sense of it. If I have a movie, I give the actors script and they read the script, they interpret the script, they interpret the characters in the script, and then they become the characters. That's not who they are in real time, but that's what they have to interpret for as long as the movie is going on. Why? That is the script. Because if they go out of character, the script gets messy. The movie gets messy. If we give you a script and say, oh, Anna is a girl with blonde hair. And you're like, oh no, you don't like blonde. Um, sorry, you can't be in the movie. Because there's a reason we insisted on Anna's blonde hair. There's a reason we insisted on a certain type of skin tone. Because it has to depict something. It has to interpret something. That's what a script is in the context of movies. I use that because a lot of us know movies, a lot of us like movies, a lot of us go to the cinemas. And so we will relate to script from the literary angle. Now, when your therapist or your counselor, your neuro-linguistics programmer, whoever is working with you, when they talk about scripts, they talk about the concepts and the mindsets you hold regarding something that plays out in your daily life. What that means is you have a manuscript. You have a relationship script. You have a romance script. If I ask you what is romance, your definition comes from your script of romance. So let's say you were six 
when you saw your neighbor open the door of the car for his wife, you're like, ah, that looks cool. I wish someone would open the door for me. That information got saved somewhere, added itself to your romance script. And so over the years, when a man opens the door for you, or a woman, your partner opens the door for you, you conclude that uh, this person is romantic and you're wondering why. Because now you're an adult and you're realizing people can open the door for you and they can still trash talk you. People can open the door for you and they are still narcissistic. But some part of you still reacts, gets softened every time someone opens the door for you. That's because you have a script, a romantic script that says that when someone opens the door for you, it means they like you. So if you are going to have pleasurable sex, if you're going to have a better sex life, you have to query your sex scripts. What are my sex scripts? What are the beliefs I hold around this? Because you have a belief, the belief solidifies. It becomes something you begin to play out. So you don't just do something because you heard it. For example, sit like a lady. You didn't start sitting straight, chest out, shoulders back. You didn't start doing all that because someone said it once. Is that they said it again and again until you started believing or you watched it over and over. Or they even flogged you or bullied you or something. But something enforced it. Or you were at the place and you saw the way people treated a particular lady who sat that way. Or you looked at someone who sat that way and you felt, oh, this person is elegant. And I like the way this person is looking right now. I like the way this person walks. That burns itself into your memory. And then now you believe that this is how a lady should sit. And this is how a lady should function. And now because you believe it, you have written it as a code for yourself. That this is my personal code of conduct this is my script sometimes we are conscious but many times we are unconscious of our scripts so a very popular sex script men love sex women don't technically that is wrong that is not true i said i'm your sexual healer i've had couples come for session and it's the woman who wants more not the man if your woman feels safe with you she is willing to unleash one of the reasons a young girl doesn't grow up chasing sex is because of how she's been raised, but biologically also because she is the person with the consequence. Great sex is great sex until I realize I'm going to be pregnant for nine months. See, the consequence of nine months, the possibility of nine months means I have to ask myself, is this man worth getting pregnant for? Is sex for the next few minutes, is it worth a nine months journey? If it's not worth a nine months journey, I don't know why I should be crazy in the bedroom. Is this person responsible enough to take care of my next generation? Do they have traits I want to replicate in my next generation? The female species has this conversation internally, whether they are conscious or not, because their life depends on it. If they end up with a man who cannot take responsibility, who will be unavailable, then it means not just their nine months is tied down, but the next few years of their life because they have an infant to raise. There is the consequence for that action. And that consequence, while it is not just for them, if it is abandoned, it falls on them. Because a mother shares a bond with a child from the pregnancy, the whole period, to the changes in hormones, to the change in body size, to the change in response, to the attraction to the child. They can't just detach from all of those. They biologically can't just detach. They can detach socially. They can teach themselves discipline, but they still have to respond to it. And so if I am a mother and I have a girl child, 
it is only natural that I would try to protect her because I understand the workload that comes with the pleasure of sex. Now, the way the teaching has been done has been quite dramatic, to be honest. But it doesn't change the fact that responsibility is something the lady has to learn early. So if you grow up in an environment where people say to you, very good, I like this particular example, and I'm sure you've heard me use it multiple times because it was crazy when I heard it. When someone from our focus group said to us that her mom said, a man is a stone and a girl is an egg. If the stone falls on the egg, you know what's going to happen. If my mother gives me that kind of analogy, I don't think I want a stone to fall on me anytime soon. If stone is going to fall on me, it has to be the kind of stone I want. It has to be the kind of stone I can do something with. Now, go with that mindset as a lady and tell me how easily you want to jump on sex. So what has happened is we have a female species that has been sexually raised. Yes, we've been raised socially and sexually to be inactive to be dormant but it doesn't mean the energy is not there if you know how to stir the energy you've got lethal power coming for you baby literally if you know how to get to your woman you've got lethal power coming for you but until you can do that we are going to assume men want more sex i went through all that explanation to let you know that that sex script is inaccurate another popular sex script is that oh an extension of the first one is that women don't really want sex. That's not true. You know something? Men wanting sex, a lot of sex, is true. They are human. Men wanting sex than women, that might not be completely correct. Women not wanting sex, that's a lie. Let's go through the biology. You know me. I like the biology classes. There is something called the clitoris. The clitoris is a nerve powerhouse, literally. That's where all the nerve endings around the vagina are passing through. So every time you say hi to this clitoris guy, you're saying hi to like over 4,000 nerve endings. That is a lot. So imagine you have, um, has someone ever tickled you before? Has someone ever mistakenly hit you with a needle? Like it, it's a sharp needle. And then you have like a thousand of those moving at the same time. Okay, let me not make it painful. That sounds painful already. But imagine those sharp, tiny bolts, right? Imagine you have those tiny bolts of, except this time around, is not pain, it's pleasure. The clit is to the woman what the glance is to the penis. Do you get that? The clit is to the vagina, the vulva, all of everything down there. The way the glance is to the penis. For those of you who don't know, the glance is the tip of the penis and it is full of nerve endings the same way. If this woman has all those nerves that are able to communicate pleasure, what do you think they are for? Decoration? They function. They are very functional. Why some people have higher libido than some others? Biologically, there is the capacity to enjoy sex. The capacity to enjoy sex is not female or male. It's just there. It's human. Women don't want less sex. Men don't want more sex. Some people, humans, again, it could be men. There are men who have lower libidos than their wives. There are wives who have lower libidos than their husbands. There are couples that are crazy together. And your season of life would affect your libido level, let's be honest. When you didn't have a child, I mean, all your energy was work, your partner, and then you got something. You got enough energy for your bedroom. But now you have two kids to take care of. That depletes the regular energy level you have. 
Your life just went from zero to hundred and you have to show up. You have to show up as a parent fully. You have to show up as a partner. And so sometimes you don't even have the energy left for your bedroom. And that's why I tell couples, you need to watch each other's sex language. We have an assessment called the sex language assessment. You want to watch each other's sex language because you got married and your sex language was sight. Does not mean your sex language is going to remain as sight. At some point in your relationship, you might need your partner to do more than just strip off naked. Sometimes you might need to do a little bit of work. I'm getting into this topic. Have some patience with me today. That's another kind of sex script. Another popular sex script we have is that people who are sexually educated are people who are sexually loose. And that is not true. So what that sex script has done for us, oh, let me go back a bit, sorry. What this sex script one and sex script two, men want more sex or women don't want sex. What that sex script has done to our lives is that we now have women who get married thinking, my husband or my man is going to be promiscuous, whether you're married or not. You're still dating this person. You're still checking this person out. But you already feel like, oh, because men like sex, this man is going to be promiscuous. And so because you assume he's going to be promiscuous, you are halfway out of the relationship emotionally because you already feel like you will lose. And so you don't come to the table with the best of you. And this man is fighting to let you know that I'm not going to cheat on you. But you can't believe him because society has warped your mind. You have absorbed other people's traumas. Women whose husbands cheated on them. Women whose partners cheated on them. Men whose partners cheated on them. Men whose partners never showed up sexually. Women whose partners never showed up sexually. You've absorbed all their traumas. And now your own relationship that you've not even given the opportunity to blossom, you've concluded your partner will cheat because they have higher sex drive than you. Or you are on the flip side of this story where you're like, um, I'm not even going to satisfy them anyway, so I might as well just lie down here like a log of wood. And we have this conversation a lot where one partner complains that the other partner just lies there like a log of wood. And the rest of us humans out here, outside of relationship, we're jealous of how the guy has six packs, but we don't know that with his six packs, nobody has touched him in six months. Or we don't know that the woman with how hot she is, all the gym work she's doing, man, is for waste because this guy's not even looking at her two times in a week. That is a sex script problem. But again, you have to be careful that your sex scripts are officially yours. They're originally yours. That your sex script doesn't come from someone else's trauma. That's what I want you to inspect today with this episode. I want you to inspect that your sex scripts are yours. You wrote your sex scripts. You are mindful of them. Now that takes me back to sex script number three that I was talking of, which is that people who are sexually educated are sexually promiscuous. And this was very rampant in secondary school where we'd have this classmate who talks about sex a lot. Um, I, I think I might have been that classmate to a few people. Some others didn't know. Yeah, some others didn't know I liked talking about sex, but some others did. And people naturally concluded that I was very promiscuous. And as an adult, as a practicing person right now, I understand, oh, okay, people do this. They didn't just do it to me. It's a real sex script out there. And I'm going to talk about the disadvantage of this. Let me give you a quick story. Um, I was about 16 or so. I had stumbled on the phrase oral sex. I stumbled on oral sex. And I'm like, ooh, what is this? <laughs> you know, teenagers and curiosity. So I start digging into this. I was writing already at the time. I was writing for a magazine company, but I wasn't going to submit this article, but I did know how to do article research. So I was doing this research on oral sex. I had this book that was titled Everything You Need to Know About Sex. I had this book on checking your menstrual your menstrual cycle, marking your calendars. I had this other book on Kegel exercises and all the others, how to get pregnant, blah, blah. I had a few books around me like that. And so 
I'm doing a research. I have access to internet. Obviously, the older people in my life don't know I'm doing this. I'm doing this whole research on oral sex. And um, a family friend bumps into the jota where I wrote the benefits of oral sex. And this person starts throwing a tantrum. From the things I've written, I'm obviously practicing this. I'm not encouraging any person who isn't mentally capable to go and do some research. There are some sex researches that I don't do yet. I really don't because I know I'm either not in the mental space for it or I, I don't have the capacity. I don't have the energy to attend to it. There are certain researches I don't recommend, like people going to watch pornography. Pornography really doesn't teach you a lot of things. We will get to that. But I went to that story to say you can be educated without being promiscuous. Because there are benefits to education. Obviously, everything has a merit and a demerit. So I'm going to go into some of those things. One of the merits of sex education, and if you're a parent, I need you to hear me and hear me clearly right now. One of the merits of sex education is that your child is not left at the mercy of wicked, for lack of a better word. They are not left in the hands of wicked, educated people. Because a person can be educated but also be a narcissist. A person can be educated but be a bully. A person can be educated but still be an abuser. Education is not proof of kindness. Education is not proof of community. Education is not proof of emotional intelligence. We just finished Body Shame to Body Love. And I remember in the first session, I told them a story in detail, actually, about how I was talking to a psychologist about my abuse history and how I recovered. And this person starts telling me how he could help me, how we could check if I'm fine, how he's going to put his penis near my clits, but he was not going to go inside. It was just to test my balance. It was to test my this. I was listening to this person. This person I'm talking about has a PhD. And I'm listening to this person talk. I told myself that day that it will never be on my watch that someone will fall to that kind of trap. It was not going to be around me. And so I have a personal theory that says abuse is natural when uncontrollable power meets ignorance. You want to make sure your child is not the ignorant person in the picture. By all means, don't give your 16-year-old oral sex to study. By all means, don't do that. But give them age-appropriate sex education. You can't have a seven-year-old in your house who does not know the word penis. I said it. You can't have a seven-year-old in your house who does not know the word vagina. It's not proper. And I know you want to be conservative, but you're leaving your child at the mercy of whoever knows those things. That's why children get abused day in, day out, and we can't go to court because the child cannot articulate in clear words what was touched and how was it touched. That's why your child can't tell you so and so touched me because they don't even know what was touched. They don't even understand the gravity of what was done to them. Teach your children, educate them because our fear of sex education is giving us more people who are addicts. I think the podcast episode is here. I'll check if the replay is on the website and I'll let you know in the next episode. How we all fund pornography. One of the ways we fund pornography is by allowing sexual misinformation and lack of sex education. Lack of sex education means we didn't even teach at all. Sexual misinformation is that we're saying it, but we're saying it in such a wrong way or we are mixing up what we are saying that the person walks away from us feeling like they know what they're saying, but they're saying rubbish. 
one of the things that was popular back in the days was our parents growing up and saying, if a man touches you, you get pregnant. Why we now understand that touching you meant intercourse. A lot of people didn't know touching you meant intercourse. I met a lady who was over 40 who was saying that the first time she started her menstruation and her classmate, a guy was working and he hit her. She went back home crying that day, screaming that she was pregnant. And some other people have the reverse of that story that they said, if a guy touches me, I will get pregnant. A guy touched me and I didn't get pregnant and I kissed and I didn't get pregnant and he touched my boobs and I didn't get pregnant until they ended up having intercourse. And now the bad part of that story is because they don't know, they don't know what is what. They don't know contraceptives. They don't know STIs. They don't know anything. So you leave your child at the mercy of an abuser. You leave your child at the mercy of curiosity and experimenting to the detriment of their health and their lives. And some others have resorted to some form of abuse and sex education. Abusing your child does not make your child more sexually educated. If you like, go and do it. You will get pregnant. Excuse me, the average teenager in 2022 knows more contraceptive methods than you do. And so shaming them and scaring them off only makes you unapproachable. And if you are unapproachable and their biological curiosity kicks in, they will not come to you for help. They will go to their ignorant classmate who is possibly learning from pornography because his or her mom never talked about sex. See, this is a whole chain. Our misinformation is going to traumatize all of us because now we have a teenage mom who can't cater to a child alone because even she needs to be catered to. And now we have another child on the street who doesn't have home training if care isn't taken. And we have a young lady who is willing to do anything to put food on the table for her child. And then we have this crazy person up there who has money, but also is a victim of some form of trauma. And he finds this young lady and it all goes crazy. Now that I'm saying it, it sounds like a movie until you sit in some therapy sessions. I remember watching the movie Fifty Shades of Grey and everybody was crazy about how it was so sexy, it was so this, it was so that, and how there was so much money in the movie. And I couldn't get past the fact that this guy's sex education comes from being sexually abused. Do you understand the impact of that? The things we are crazy about in the movie comes from him being abused. And so instead of all of us to focus on his healing, we are focused on how crazy the sex is. And it's good because he has money. And I remember asking someone, if Christian Grey was broke, would you take Christian Grey? Sexual trauma. Trauma and how it impacts our sex scripts. Another popular sex script we have is that you cannot be spiritual and experience good sex. Today isn't about sexual trauma. We spoke about sexual trauma last week. I will still talk about sexual trauma. Yes, but how trauma generally affects our sex scripts is that you cannot be spiritual and experience great sex. So what has happened is we've had people who subscribe to some form of spirituality, but they've excluded their sex life. And so you meet them and they don't enjoy the benefits of sex. I'm looking for words that are kind and also instructive at the same time. They don't enjoy the benefits of sex. And so sometimes they're going through life tensions, they're going through life struggles, and they have a partner who could help them experience sexual release in a way that releases oxytocin into their brain, in a way that releases all of the feel-good hormones they could be enjoying. But they don't even get that privilege because an orgasm eludes them. They dare not afford to enjoy the sex because if they do, then they're not spiritual. What that sex script has done to us is that we've left our marriages and relationships at the mercy of misinformation. 
And this is not particular to any religion. This is just particular to people who want to be pious. And so it's important that you ask yourself, where does this sex script I have come from? As I'm talking, whatever relates with you, I want you to be able to say, oh, I have these. I didn't know this was the side effect. Oh, I didn't pay attention. Because if you subscribe to sex script number four I just mentioned, it means you will be getting into a relationship and you will not know your partner's sex language. It means you might still be uncomfortable getting naked in front of your partner physically. If you cannot strip down naked in front of someone physically, how do you strip naked in front of them emotionally? Because just drinks are easier to take off than you're opening your heart to. Taking off your pants, that's the easiest thing in this world to do. You just remove the clothes. It's very easy. But you see opening your heart. Opening your heart is hard. Because there is a side of you that wants to be independent. There is a side of you that needs to support your ego. There is a side of you that needs to make sure that this person keeps on respecting you. That this person doesn't know you too much to disrespect you. In order for you to be able to open up to them, vulnerability is needed. While I recommend knowing a person before you have sex with them, I think we've done an episode on that. When is it too soon to have sex? Something like that. Someone asked us a question about when should we have sex or whether when it was too soon to have sex. I said when you knew the person enough. While I do recommend knowing the person before sex comes in, we cannot deny the fact that sex also deepens communication. Sex deepens a relationship because naturally a person has to earn your trust for you to receive small doses of oxytocin every time this person comes to mind something about them they begin to gain your trust you start becoming more comfortable with them see when it's outside of sex is a process you are able to see them with clarity but when sex comes in what happens is you receive huge doses of oxytocin heavier doses that's why you can have sex with someone the first day you met them i feel like i feel like i know this person that's the oxytocin speaking. I feel like I just know this person. Something about them connects. Well, they were good in bed. They were good for you. They were good for your body. They were good for your mind. They were good for your brain. Your body remembers what it feels like to be touched by them. It's all of the bonding. If you cannot be open, if you can't play in your bedroom, you can't turn on the lights with this person, then we might need to start interrogating your sex scripts. If you subscribe to this script as a single person, it means you are in a relationship, but you're also not looking forward to the sex. It means you're not looking forward to pleasuring your partner. It means you're going to consciously or unconsciously sexually starve your partner. You're going to sexually starve them in a way that they won't even notice you are absent. You're going to sexually starve them in a way that will become abusive. And I just want you to know that's legal grounds for a divorce. Sexual starvation is legal grounds for divorce. It's very legal grounds. If you get married and you don't sexually consummate the marriage, um, we dare to question your marriage because that's supposed to be one of the key benefits. And so what sex script number four does is that it takes the intimacy in the relationship and it flings it out of the window. And so what you have is not a partner. What you have is a housemate. You talk together, you laugh together. In fact, you might even be friends with them. I remembered bumping into this back in the day when I was younger. I don't know if they still have those um, columns in newspapers. But then they used to have these columns with family life gist. And there was this newspaper, old newspaper I was trying to lay a table with somewhere. And I saw this story about a 50-something-year-old woman who was divorcing her husband. All their kids were grown. Said she was divorcing her husband because they've become best friends. That they talk and they laugh, but they just don't have sex. They can't, they just can't seem to. 
And even during this whole divorce process, they are best friends, according to her. I remembered feeling, asking myself as a teenager, how are they best friends? But there was no sex. If I had a male best friend who made me laugh and were compatible with a lot of things, shouldn't sex be natural? And I think for the first time, I wasn't having those kind of sex conversations with the older people in my life, but it left something inside my mind. Sex is important. And now as an adult, I understand why both biologically and socially, why sex is important in a marriage, why sex is important in a relationship. So check your sex scripts if you are affected by sex script number four. Another sex script we all tend to have is the fact that, I'm looking for how to describe it, that people who are physically hot are very sexual. Hi, ew, ew. Sometimes it is hilarious when I see people come on social media and say, oh, there's this guy or there's this lady, blah, blah, blah. We're not sexually compatible. And I'm wondering, have you even done the work? Because there's work. Oh. There's work. Let's not lie. Especially if you're married. Especially if you have kids. <laughs> there's work. Sustaining your sex life eh, is work. Some couples go as far as drawing a timetable. But the big misconception that if someone has six bags, he has got to be hot in bed. Yes, there was this very popular one. Oh my goodness. Now as I'm talking about this, you guys are making me feel like I stepped into sexual conversation too early. Like I know too many things. There was a time when ladies would meet a man and the first thing they would look at is the size of his feet. Because there was a crazy assumption that the size of a man's feet was equivalent to the size of his penis. I don't... <laughs> oh goodness. But that woman was figure eight meant she was good in bed. That someone likes to be physically dressy means that she's sexy. That's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. Your partner is only as sexy as you both attempt to be. Your partner is only as sexually attractive, as sexually disciplined, as sexually open, as sexually vulnerable as you both are open. So this is the conclusion of my session today. Sex is an experience. Every time you come to sex, you must come to sex for an experience. But in order for you to have an experience, you need to know what is backing you. You need to know your mindset. Today's episode, like I said, is supposed to make you query your sex scripts. Men don't like sex more than women. While men have a physical proof of arousal that women don't have. If a man is aroused, we will see it. Except he's really wearing some girdle, <laughs> girdle shorts. If he isn't, we will know. And funny thing is, every time a man has an erect penis, it's not proof that he's sexually aroused. On the average, a man has his penis erect between 5 to 10 times a day. On the average, for absolutely no reason. Like He's not thinking about sex. He's not planning to rape anybody. He's not planning to have sex. He's not watching anything sexy. He's not watching pornography. Nothing. He's not turned on. Let me quickly clarify that for the ladies, in case you've been embarrassing a man because you happen to have bumped into one of his five times a day, well, wipe your mind. He has nothing to do with you. Well, he does have something to do with you and you're his partner. Congratulations. Why, when a woman is aroused, we might not see physically, except you get to touch her body, except she is open with you, except she wants you to know. So she can be... <laughs> Women can have great sex and don't... Mm, they will hold it in. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> that thing is crazy like they will mm, and die there and they will not tell you that they are having the time of their life and i'm so sorry if you're a man experiencing that i am so sorry <laughs> we would have to do sex education again but for real 
It doesn't show for a woman, it shows for a man. That doesn't mean the man is more sexually anything than the woman. So pay attention to your partner, ask questions, run assessment, know your sex scripts, check what's happening in your life. What phase are you in? Are you spending a lot of time trying to cater to other things in life that you don't have time for your bedroom? That's why within my counselors network, when we're having premarital counseling sessions, one of the things we recommend is that couples tell themselves, how many times do we want to have sex a week? How many times do we want to have sex a month? Even if you don't draw a timetable to it, even if you don't have a schedule to it, even if you don't pick a particular day of the month, let's have how many times. If we say, oh, we're going to have sex 10 times a month. 10 times a month means we have to have sex every three days or we have to do marathon on some days, right? But we have to cover 10 times. And if we don't cover 10 times, by the time we are reviewing our relationship in two months time, perhaps you do by by monthly reviews or you do monthly reviews or you do bi-weekly reviews, you're able to tell your partner, wait, we've not had sex. What happened? Been busy, been stressed, blah, blah. We're able to identify what the culprit is per time instead of just assuming blanket assumption that, oh, sex thing happened because women don't like sex. That's not true. That's a very wrong mindset. Because your partner could be as sexually starved as you are. You both live in the same house. But because nobody is saying anything, nobody is putting in any effort, nobody has a sex goal. Everybody has a life goal. Everybody has a five-year plan until we ask you what's your sex goal. How many times do you want to have sex a month? How many times do you want to have sex a week? How do you want your sex life to be? I know couples who pay for hotels at least once a month just so that they can go and knock. Like, for real. I know a husband who told his wife that I noticed you've been tired a lot from work lately. So what's going to happen is every night I am going to do the cleaning of the kitchen just so that you can have my time because I need my baby. Don't let traumatic experiences from other people in particular. Today I focused on traumatic experiences from other people. Don't let it tamper with your sex scripts. And finally, for people who have been sexually abused, the way sexual trauma can tamper with... Remember last week I explained that sexual trauma isn't just rape. So go back and listen to that episode if you don't know that sexual trauma is beyond rape. The way sexual trauma can tamper with your sex script is that your memory of sex is tainted. Your memory of sex is painful. Your memory of sex has no consent. Your memory of sex is rough. Your memory of sex is painful. And so what can happen is you either start experiencing painful sex or you have a dissociation from sex. You just can't seem to stand the topic. You can't seem to stand the conversation. So if you belong in this group, I recommend therapy. I absolutely do recommend therapy. Or if you find out that you hate sex, for no reason in fact you've possibly not even had sex all your life but for some reason sex doesn't just excite you the conversation doesn't excite you before you conclude that oh you don't have libido or you belong to whatever assumption you think you belong to i think you should go for therapy and find out why it might be that you've been sexually misinformed it might be that someone has instilled a fear for sex in you at a young age and now you're fighting it unconsciously okay um that will be all. That will be all. Am I leaving out anything? Yes. If you feared sex for a long time. This wasn't supposed to be part of today's episode, but I'm just going to throw it in. If you've been afraid of sex for a long time, the possibility that you're going to meet the love of your life and feel like, oh, I need to have sex right now is very low. Did you hear me? Because I've seen people say, oh, I've met the man of my dreams, blah, blah, blah. He's so good. He's so this. But every time he touches me, I flinch. You were not raped. Nothing happened. You were not sexually abused. What has happened is you have a fear for sex and you've had it for a long time. And so like someone who is hurt, you will recover. You would have to go through a recovery journey. So even though you don't have a physical trauma, 
a physical event that you can point finger to and say, oh, this is why I don't like sex or this is why I'm afraid of sex. There are series of conversations you've had, series of environmental influences, series of cultural influences that have affected your sex script over the years. And so now you would have to unlearn that sex script and it might require the help of a professional, a sex therapist in particular to help you uncover. However, if you've gone through that and then there is nothing, it might be time to actually see your doctor and see, oh, okay, is there anything that is biologically wrong with me? All right. If you have any questions, I told you before, you don't ask us on our Instagram handle because I mean, you're shy. You don't want us to know your name. It's fine. Just go to the website at www.lizaexpress.com. Just scroll down. You're going to see it. Ask us anything anonymously is bold or better still go on Instagram on our Instagram link. We have a multi-link um, platform on Instagram. Once you click on it, scroll down, you will see Ask Us Anything Anonymously or Anonymously Ask Us. You will see Anonymous there, very bold. So just go there and ask us any question on sex, any question on abuse, any question on trauma, any question on addiction. Go there and ask us. And if you are a parent and you haven't signed up, you haven't signed up for how to avoid traumatic parenting. I wanted to say something, but it's not nice. <laughs> but please do sign up because we want to make sure your kids love you years from now we want to make sure that your relationship with your kids is not the uh -huh, daddy i've sent you money uh -huh, mommy i've sent you money you don't have a relationship that's more than money with your kids until friday when i see you on instagram live at 7 p.m take care of yourself experience healing and harmony bye